G'day and welcome to Occupied, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. Today I want to touch on a topic that's fairly controversial uh, and that is the actual makeup between males and females of the profession, but I want to have a look and see if it's actually all a bad thing. So I, a concept that I've been thinking about for pretty much all of my career uh, is something that I think for a lot of people, uh, it's almost a taboo thing to bring up. Or not so much a taboo thing, but I think people are afraid of the backlash if we actually start having conversations about it. And it's about the sex difference in the makeup of the profession. Something that, by the numbers, would make me the part of the minority, being a man. And it's something that I've seen various arguments uh, on both sides. Some saying we need more men, some saying we don't, and the, the even though the minority, men get prefer- preferential treatment in a lot of different areas, such as management positions, school entries in some countries, etc., etc. But I wanted to give my opinion, uh, which might be a bit different to what people might think. And I'm... Uh, my opinion isn't concrete. My opinion isn't going to be that this is the solution, this is what we need to do. My opinion is more like I tend to do with a lot of things, offering an alternative perspective to try and make people think for themselves. So the reason I'm bringing this up now is, one, it's been a topic that's popped up in a couple of the discussions on air and off air for some of the guests that I've spoken to on this podcast uh, and just some of the discussions I've had in, in general life. Uh, but then in having a browse around some literature yesterday, I came across an article by Brenda Began and Erin Fredericks, uh, which was published in the, I think it's the latest uh, edition of the Canadian Journal of Occupational Therapy, Volume 85, number 2, pages 137 to 145, and I will put the reference in the show notes if you wanted to look this one up. But it's called What About the Men? Gender Parity in Occupational Therapy. And they highlight a lot of the, the different arguments that, again, I've heard over the years, and I wanted to address some of them. So one of the arguments is... Well, the, the overall argument is we need gender parity. We need equal numbers of you know men, women in occupational therapy. Because at the moment, I think in Australia, I think we have about 91, 92% uh, women. And obviously the eight or nine, depending on which one it is, percent men. So it's, it's a drastic difference. It's not even close. A lot of people highlighting uh, tend to highlight some very superficial, I think, benefits of increasing the number of men in the profession. Things like uh, the couple of examples that were highlighted in this article were things like uh, it gives clients the option of, you know, if they don't want to work with a female, they can work with a male. Uh, also, one of the things that was noted was a bit around 
showering assessments and something else. And the fact that for whatever reason, I'm assuming with uh, female clients, men are obviously not recommended to do those or not allowed to do those maybe in, in this Canadian context. I'm not sure. A lot of the references that they and they've they've pulled a lot of uh, references to put this this um, this paper together, and a lot of the references tend to seemingly point towards the universities and the the schools as the place where this issue should be fixed and stems from. So they point at uh, some examples around men being preferentially prioritized during the recruitment process for school uh, for jobs and for getting into the schools i guess theoretically trying to increase the number of men by increasing the number of male students the other few things they had a couple of statements in here from that were statements made by representatives of the broti movement which is brot which I've, I've heard of, i come across them online a few years ago, where they one of their statements was, we contend with increasing cultural and gender diversity, or we contend that increasing cultural and gender diversity is the vehicle through which occupational therapy will reach a position of power among the healthcare professions. Possibly true. A very out there statement for now. And I will, I'll get to that, I will explain. Uh, and as they rightfully stay in this paper, that particular statement then aligns gender equality with equality issues of other kinds. So essentially, they're viewing the fact that we don't have equal numbers of male and females to, for whatever reason, they seem to think that we're not seen as equitable or equal among other health professions and the, the this particular spokesman making this particular statement seems to have aligned those two agendas, which again there's no actual evidence around that presented uh, by this this particular paper. A few other things suggested that, or had had a few suggestions or a few not suggestions, sorry, there are a few quotes presented within this paper that were taken from social media, and I can only assume based on the usernames that they've provided it was probably reddit it seems like those kinds of usernames but it was things around males being told that they had to be very extra sensitive that they had to adapt to being left out of discussions surrounding surrounded by clicks and gossip that male uh, clinicians were often given most of the difficult slash agitated or and in quotations dangerous patients there are the and some of these things I can put my hand up and say that I have experienced. I have experienced having to or being put forward to deal with uh, more agitated patients. I have experienced, you know, drama around gossip and stuff in the workplace. The difference is I don't particularly think any of the things and like I said I've experienced some of these things some of these other things as well um, well actually one of the the things that was preferenced uh, they said there was a preference for males uh, being employed over females I don't think 
that my experiences of any of these things, and I have experienced quite a few of them, have anything to do with me being a man. And in fact, my opinion is that I've not seen anything so far that has equally weighed up the pros and cons of gender equality in the profession. The reason I say this is, so for example, I'll address some of these things because I'm getting all over the place. I have been put forward to uh, work with some of the more agitated, mm, uh, some people have referred to them as dangerous clients. I personally don't feel it's because I was a man. I feel it was because of my specific skill set, my communication skill set, uh, possibly because of my physical size. But again, I know female nurses that I've worked with that have similar communication style to me, that have worked with the same sort of clients as me, no issue at all. And I know female nurses and female OTs that would be put forward in those situations over myself. So I don't think, in my experience, that that had anything to do with my sex. I've been told, I have heard people talk about, oh, you're a man, you'll get, like, it'll be easier for you to find work and that kind of stuff. I've never been for a job or got a job that I felt I got purely and simply because I was a man. I worked hard for my skill set. I came out of uni with the same qualifications as all of my peers. I don't feel I've done a lot of extracurricular stuff um, a lot more than some of the people that you know I've met and that I've gone up against for jobs uh, I don't think being a male has ever even factored into my employment or at least I'd hope it hasn't if it has I haven't noticed it as far as I'm aware I've always been hired on merit and that's the way I would, would have it. I, I wouldn't want to get a job because I was a man. I would much prefer if I'm not qualified for the job, I shouldn't get it. Simple as that. I would like to propose an alternative view just for people to actually have a think about. And it's kind of a, a social, constructive uh, view of this whole situation. There are arguments that occupational therapy attracts more females because it is a gendered profession. It uh, originated with a lot of the values that were traditionally associated with our females, things like caring and nurturing and that kind of stuff. And that's not to say that men don't have those. I like to think I'm a good example of someone who does. But... Traditional uh, gender roles probably fit more with some of those more female. And I'm talking traditional as in like when the profession started 50, 60 years ago, depending on what country you're in. Gender roles, as we know, are extremely different nowadays. And I think the profession is going to evolve in time as it catches up with that. I don't think we can force it. I also believe that, and this is the bit that may catch people off, because I don't know, I haven't found many people that have actually considered this. The profession is what it is today because of what it's made of. So think about that. Being 90 plus percent female 
has made the profession what it is. If it was the other way around, and if the occupational therapy was 90% male, it would not be nearly even remotely close to what it is today. Now, I'm not saying it would be any better or any worse, but it would be very, very different. When I first started uni, I started doing engineering. Straight out of high school, straight into university, into an engineering course that, eh, it turns out I wasn't really well suited to. But I went from that course, which had 120 in the first year cohort, and there were three women. Three women? Four women. Pretty much the exact opposite of OT. And then I went a year later into the OT course, and it was a complete flip on its head. And I will admit, it took me a while to get used to that. I, at the time, was a 19, 20-year-old dude, football jock, very much one of the boys, drinking, partying, all the things young people do. I communicated terribly. I didn't communicate with females very well. I communicated very well with males my age because I had a lot in common, but even if I had another male my age that I didn't have much in common with, I wouldn't be able to communicate with them very well. I was I had a very narrow range of people that I could actually work with. Luckily, I actually credit the makeup of my cohort with being able to teach me how to communicate with a broader spectrum of people. If I had moved into OT... And it still had the same makeup as my engineering course. So a couple of women and majority males. My communication skills would not have evolved. Being put outside of my comfort zone, my zone of proximal development, as Vygotsky might say, being put outside of that and having to adapt and being forced to do the old dreaded group assignments and that kind of stuff, which I'll admit didn't always go smoothly as you know, group assignments tend to do anyway, but it forced me to learn how to communicate with females, males. Well, I already knew how to communicate with some males, but males who I didn't have much in common with and a whole range of people who I wouldn't normally have even associated with previously up until that point. I credit that makeup with turning, or communication-wise anyway, turning me into the therapist that I eventually became which hopefully, in my I'd like to think, is fairly effective and efficient at what I do. Now, if we think about that in a broader case, yes, people tend to focus on the things that might change for the positive. If we had a more equal gender breakdown of the profession, they focus on things like the assertiveness of the profession, being able to market ourselves, being able to be a bit firmer when we take stance on things, that kind of thing, which traditionally is a lot of the arguments for bringing more men into the profession. Those kinds of, you know, being bossy, being pushy, arguing, being stubborn, those kind of things are traditionally masculine traits. You'll find that in a lot of male-dominated industries that, you know, the the unions and the, the workers themselves are often very hard-headed, and I know I'm generalizing, But as a whole, things like engineering, 
they're very strong on that whole marketing thing. People know what an engineer does. Yes, there's different kinds of engineers, but most people will even be able to tell you what those different kinds do because they're very good at marketing what they do. Traditionally, OTs are not. And I have often thought about whether or not it's it's because, and only because I've seen the argument made, that we're not because of how we're made up. Whether that's true or not, I'm not going to get into because I can't really. I don't have any facts around whether or not that's true. But what I would pose to you is this. I'm sure we can all agree that there are a lot of benefits, a lot of positives in our profession at the moment. Yes, there are some negatives around professional identity and and that kind of stuff, which uh, some papers that I've read have put to, uh, put a, a root cause down as you know being majority female profession. But if we are to change that, are we going to lose some of the positives? that we all know and love for the profession as well. As a profession as a, a profession as a whole, are we going to lose or are our core values going to change? Because occupational therapy is a culture. A culture is a group of shared values among a group of people, some of which who may have never met each other, but we all share these common values. And I challenge you to think that if we are to adjust how the profession is actually made up, that we are going to change those core values. And again, I'm not saying that that's going to be a bad thing or a good thing, but we need to take that into account before we start pushing for rapid changes to increase the number of men and then after the fact find out, well, oh, bugger, you know, we ruined a good thing. It's something that I haven't seen too many papers actually take into account. And that worries me because I feel like we're taking a very one-sided view of what is a fairly important issue to some people. Personally, to me, I don't think there's too much of an issue. And I know some people will say, but that's because you are a man. But I've seen arguments both for and against being uh, as part of the minority in the profession. So I'm not sure how that, that argument stands. It's definitely something that I feel needs a lot more research and it needs looking into. It, it's important that we are able to, as a, you know, as adults, that we're able to have these discussions. I've seen conversations on social media go so pear-shaped because people misinterpret or try and make statements they can't back up or try and take really concrete, hard perspectives on an issue that really isn't. It has to be fluid. The other issue which I'm not going to go into that is often tied in really closely with this is the issue of income and women's positions in in power, so like management positions and that kind of thing. The argument being that there's less women represented in those higher-up management positions, higher-paid positions, than there are men. I simply want to present in this podcast, because I know (laughs) I already know some of the feedback that I'm going to get, even just for saying this, 
all I want to present at the moment is that we be mindful of the culture change that we may create by trying to fix multiple problems that we're already assigning the same root cause, and that is the gender makeup of the profession. I don't feel it's as black and white as some people think it is. I think there are many, 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 many different things that need to be taken into account. The other thing that worries me is that when we try and assign the same root cause to multiple issues and then try and look at them all at once, in so as with this issue, we tend to automatically show a causation between these multiple issues. So obviously there's a gender disparity, but uh, disparity between the number of women and men. So obviously every difference that we ever see between men and women, whether it's pay, whether it's you know length of lunch break, whether it's size of shoe, is due to that particular issue, that particular makeup. And I think we need to be really careful to be able to separate our issues and look at them independently. One thing I was going to say before is that it just, and this is a complete just observation on my part, a lot of the research that I've seen, a lot of the papers that I've seen looking at this particular issue don't have any men involved. And I'm not saying that they need to be because um, I, for one thing, women are more than capable of looking at this issue without us. But it makes me wonder whether, and I would be interested if someone has actually done this research, whether men see this as an issue as much as some women do. Whether or not it's, it's using this gender disparity as... I guess, a catalyst to look at other issues such as, like I said before, such as you know, pay, pay gaps and that kind of stuff and women in, in management positions. Whether or not the fact that we are a minority is actually an issue to many men. I, for one, don't see it as an issue. That's my personal opinion. I've never had... I, I've actually never worked under a male manager. I've always had female managers. I've never had a manager higher up once I get past my direct manager that was actually an OT. So maybe that's an issue. Maybe it's a lot of those higher management positions aren't going to OTs. Who knows? I don't know. But I've never had an issue. I've never felt that my my anatomy has either benefited me or 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 held me back in any ways during my career. Not to say that it won't happen. I like to try and convince myself that I'm still young. But I just like to try and think around some of these issues because I think quite often a lot of the stuff that I've read takes a very straight down the line view of it. So, for example, the, the key messages from this particular paper, and this is stated verbatim, are that men are underrepresented and may feel marginalized in occupational therapy, but gender parity is not a matter of inequity or justice. That most jobs are gender segregated, and this segregation has more to do with gender norms and that position, and then in quotations, women's work as inferior, and that the changes to the gender balance in occupational therapy are unlikely to result from the efforts internal to the profession and are more likely to result from a serious downturn in the broader economy. Those key messages, yes, they may be true, they may be not, but I do think 
taking a very concrete stance on something that is a really, really complex issue is not something that most of us should be doing, really. I like to think that as OTs, we are as a whole, doesn't matter, male, female, doesn't matter, quite an open-minded profession and willing to explore and look at issues from multiple perspectives. We, we, as compared to some other professions that I've been involved with, that I've worked with, we seem to be quite good at looking through lenses and observing certain situations through different lenses. And I would hope that we can do the same with an internal issue such as this one, that we're still able to use different lenses to actually look at ourselves as opposed to looking at situations that we're sort of external to. That's about all I want to say about that. I'm sure I may have touched a nerve with some people and I I completely appreciate that. I've in no way intended to marginalize or offend anyone with this podcast. It was simply me trying to provide a different perspective, my personal perspective, and just trying to encourage people to keep an open mind and look at things from from multiple through multiple lenses. Feel free again. I I would love feedback. If anyone has uh, got any other ideas, any any um, research that they've read, especially stuff that you know may include both men and women in actually writing it and doing it, I I would love to see some. Other than that, guys, thank you very much for for listening. And I know this one's been a little bit longer than most of my. Uh, my rants, but uh, I, I really appreciate uh, those that have, that have stuck it out till the end. So thank you very much. And I will talk to you guys very soon. Yeah.